Hey, hit that subscribe button now. You're going to like it. Welcome to the Luke Branquino Show. Most people knew about this show, um, but my next guest, it, it was new to him, so it's a, it's a pleasure to have him on to uh, experience for the first time the Luke Branquino Show. And as the guests, we're going to talk about all kinds of things that I have personally heard, but I don't know that a lot of the fans have. Cody, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Luke. I'm sorry I didn't know you had a show. Well, really, I'm not surprised because I know how technologically, I don't even, I don't want to say it, advanced you are. I tell my team that social media steals your soul. <laughs> I, try to, I try to keep mine. Two guys you, you rodeo with, and I know them fairly, fairly decent, uh, Ty Murray and Tuff Hedeman. They have that. But to me, they're on two separate ends of the spectrum. And, and you could tell me if I'm wrong. Ty Murray was business oriented and focused and worked out and and strived for excellence outside of the arena as far as being in shape. Now, Tough, on the other hand, from what I wasn't quite that way on the outside of the arena. He was all about winning, had that had that gear, but it was kind of complete opposites. Well, he he liked that perception too. He was in great shape. and physically and and he did whatever it took to win and so yes and no he, he was a he was a closet athlete <laughs> he, would work out when, he would work out when nobody's looking but he'd play hard he, he he would play really hard but at the same time whatever it took to get the job done you know and he liked to say why well, anybody can hold their breath for eight seconds or something you know something like that but uh, at the end of the day, uh, he spent, he, when I was talking about growing up, galloping those thoroughbreds and stuff, he spent hours and hours on the track on those kind of horses and developed a, a balance, a balance and a feel and, a, and a con, he got himself conditioned to the point that uh, he didn't get, he, he didn't get out of shape, so right. I I know what you get. I know what you're getting at. Ty worked his whole life to be. He wanted to be the best all-around cowboy ever, and he worked. He wanted to beat Larry Mahan's record of, of six all-around championships, and and he worked as hard as he did to to reach that goal. But he did it from the time he was a little kid. He took gymnastics because he knew it would help his balance and his core strength and things like that as a little kid. Right. Someone told him if, if you rode a unicycle, that it helped your balance. So he got a unicycle and started riding around. And then they said it helped your hand eye coordination if you learn how to juggle. So he's riding a unicycle around juggling at nine or 10 years old. And he's not doing that to be a great juggler. His dreams not to be a great gymnast or a great juggler or, or, a great unicycle rider. His dream is to beat Larry Mahan's record, and so, so he wants to win seven all-around championships. And and so he worked so hard at it. But what I saw out of Ty that I never seen out of anybody that just didn't exist in in my day was when he had the injuries. He rehabbed the injuries where he came back better, and he had. And he had two shoulder surgeries and two knee surgeries in three years, in two and a half years. And and after that, after being on the sideline for over two years, 
mostly mostly on the sideline. He comes back and the first bull he the first bull he gets on, the very first one, he didn't get on a practice bull. He didn't do he enters Reno PBR and a bull of Don Kish is called Vindicator, bucks him off, has him reared back a ranking bull, has him reared back and bucks him off, and he landed in the splits just straight out wide like that. And he didn't put a hand down on the ground. He just jumped up. Oh, he's ready. He's ready to go. Oh, split. He he had worked so hard. He had worked so hard to be so ready that I'd never seen anybody re. I'd never seen anybody at that time. Now guys do that. Uh, They're a lot better. They're a lot better. But a lot of them learned it from Ty. They learned, or the sports medicine guys learned it from Ty because Ty was ahead of his time on on that and it was it was always real to him he wasn't he wasn't there he didn't he didn't fake an injury like if he's banged up a little bit he's fine he's ready to go he's a he was a tough cowboy but right. he was really hurt when he had something that was really wrong with him he got the surgery got it well and got it back to even better than it was before he got hurt well and obviously it shows the, the what he's won in his career and and the and like you said he, he did things to make him better not the things that he didn't want to be a circus star those things made him better for the arena and i think you're right you when i first started rodeoing in 2000 my, was my rookie year it was you go to the rodeo you might maybe maybe not watch the event you were entered in then you'd go to the beer stand at the rodeo then you'd go to the bar after then you get up in the morning if you're in slack you're hungover that was 2000 and i could see and it was neat to see the change from 2000 to now how not just the bulldogs but all athletes in all events have you know it, this is a business you know th- now it's taking care of business you go watch your event you go eat you work out you go to bed at a decent hour. I mean, the beer stands have struggled since these cowboys started becoming athletes, I guess you should say. Yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, I got to see that change too. At the the first year I made the NFR was in 1981 in in the bronc riding. And, and in the seventh round, I got bucked off a, a, a mare of Brookman's called Powderface. And I landed right on my ass and broke my tailbone. And it hurt. It hurt so bad. For the eighth, ninth, and tenth rounds, I couldn't sit in my saddle on the ground. I couldn't check it or rosin it or anything. I just couldn't. It hurt too much. And every time I got off, I'd walk. They had the Justin Sports Medicine at the NFR. It was brand, It was a, a new thing. It was like the first or second year they'd ever had it. And Dr. Evans was there, and Don Andrews was there, and. It was in between, and we were all in one big locker room there in Oklahoma City, and it was right before you got to the locker room when you're walking by. And I wanted to go in there so bad to get some kind of relief for my pain, but I was looking at Jack Ward and Wacy Kathy, and those guys walked right past it, so they were they were on their way to the beer stand, and so I went to the beer stand, you know, I. I, I those are the guy the guys that are the, the heroes that I were looking up to had not had not gone down that path yet. So they were rising I, from the inside. Yeah. Yes.
And so that's that's how I tried to fix it too. So I didn't. I wanted to stop by there, but I wasn't going to do it until I saw one of those guys, one of those old veterans in there. Oh yeah. If I'd have seen that, then then I'd have been there. So we transitioned from rodeo cowboys to rodeo athletes. Yeah. It was neat to see the in between, and from for me from 2000 to now, how it's progressed to to what it is, and and rightfully so. I mean, these guys are spending the shit ton of money going up and down the road and fuel and vehicles and trailers and horses and and everything i mean it doesn't take long you you know well as know as anybody it doesn't take long before the bank's calling like hey are you gonna pay this credit card bill or you know so understand you better take care of yourself and your livestock and and all that just to to be able to pay off the the bankers um yeah and they still have a great time doing it you know they still yeah. have there's still characters and personalities and stuff they're just better at it. They're just better at it because every generation got a little better and and we learned from them and we learned to take care of business a little better. And then the next ones did it a little better, a, a little better yet. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean they rode better or bulldog better. They just did it. They took care, better care of business at, at a point and, and some of them some of them ride better and some of them bulldog better and some of them still don't you know like like homer Pettigrew, if he was around today he'd still be a contender because he'd up his game if right. you were around the day you'd up your game if ty murray was if tough heatman was competing if jim those guys those winners would be winners in today's world too right but they take they take care of business in a little different manner than they did in, the, in their day. Speaking of business, um, what and I don't have the exact year, which I know you'll you'll tell me. Uh, you guys met in a little town in California called Pass Robles with, a, I believe it's Pass Robles. You guys met with a gentleman named Randy Bernard. Yeah, in ninety in ninety two and ninety three, Randy called me out of the blue in ninety two, and he said uh, that they had a rodeo at the California Mid State Fair. And they and they do well on. I, I have never heard of Randy. I had no idea who he was, how he got my phone number or anything. But he he said that they struggled on Thursday night. That Cotton had their rodeo and they had and they did well on Friday and Saturday. And they've been struggling and 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 they were looking for looking for something. And and at that time in the middle of the summer, you know. It, me and Ty, Ty was number one in the all around and I was number two by a long, by a long right. way. And so we're going to match each other. They want to, Randy want to know if we would match on a bronc and a bull. And it's an August, it was an August rodeo and it wasn't very big rodeo and I, and we didn't want to go. And I, and so I just told him what I thought was just an outrageous price. I asked Ty about it. He said, Ty said, well, I'll go if you want to. I don't, you know didn't care one way or another on that. I told Randy, I thought I'd just price him out of it, wanting us there. And, and at, in 1992, I said, if you get our plane tickets and our rooms and pick us up at the airport and pay all of our expenses and our entry fees and give us 2,500 a piece, you know? And I thought that he's got a little rodeo. He's not gonna be able to afford that. And he said, done. And so, we fly in, we fly in to San Luis and they pick us up in a, in a limo 
and take us down there and treated us like celebrities and and we matched and and Ty beat me again, you know. <laughs> and he outdrew you. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. And so they they really uh, advertised that we were matching that night and they sold out that night's performance. And Randy knew how to sell like that. And he was a young guy. And so the, we did it again the next year. And so in, 90, in 94, we had gotten the PBR going. And so we talked to Randy about maybe having that rather than having us match on Thursday night, have a PBR bull riding. And so we get there and, and we're meeting with Randy and we're in his off at his office and talking to him and stuff. And, and, uh, we understood that he's leaving, that he was leaving California and he was, and, uh, we, and he was actually going to go, uh, interview for a job with the PRCA at the time. And, and, uh, we asked Randy if, uh, if he could, while he's in Colorado Springs, could he meet with this guy, this Doug, Doug Quimby was helping us with stuff. Could he meet? And Randy said, no, he didn't feel good about that because he's going to meet with the PRCA already. So he flew to Colorado Springs, met, interviewed for a job with the PRCA, flew back to, to uh, San Luis Obispo, turns around, buys a ticket on it with his own money, flies back to Colorado Springs to meet with our guy because he didn't feel like it was right meeting on the PRCA's dime. Right. And, and so he, and then, and then we hired him that year and then he took us along. He, he, he helped us a great deal. We had a pretty good, we had a pretty good product, but it immediately got better. We had a pretty good idea of what we wanted to do and we wanted to improve bull riding, but we didn't had no idea how, no direction. And he was a 25 year old guy that, that could see stuff that the rest of us couldn't even begin to dream about. Well, that's, it's a neat story. The two years before that, the match between you and, and Ty and a lot of people, I guess, that I talked to were under the assumption that that was where the PBR started was out there, which it wasn't. You guys get got together as a group and there was what, 10 of you guys? There was a 11 or 12 of us in Scottsdale in, in 92, in April of 92. We, so when we went and did the matches for Ty, we had already, um, or for Randy, we had already right. started, we had already formed the PBR, but it hadn't really got off the ground. 94 was the first year we had a season and a finals and 94 august of 94 is when we talked to randy about going to workforce so he didn't he came and helped us at our finals in november of of 94 but he didn't really officially go to workforce until january of 95. but it was just like I said 11 12 cowboys with a idea to make the sport better to grow the sport um and I mean, look where it is now today. And that, you know, again, brings me to from the PBR start with the 11, 12 of you guys, and then to where it is now with, you know, the PBR World Finals, where the winner gets a million dollars. Now with the PBR teams, it's just, it's amazing how much it's exploded and grown into what it is because of a, a dream of, you know, 10 or 11 or 12 Cowboys. Uh, I've, I've learned over the years, if you're trying to do the right thing, 
it might not work out exactly like you're thinking, but it'll eventually work out if you're trying, if, if you're in it for the right reasons and you're trying to do the right thing. And we were trying to improve the sport. We were trying to take the, the bull riding, which we had the shortest careers of anybody. And it was the fan favorite event that in rodeo historically the last event of the night because they want to keep the crowd there and they want it to be exciting like that we felt like we could we we felt like we could present it in a in a better way than it had been and we felt like we we didn't invent bull riding and we didn't invent the standalone bull riding there were jackpot bull ridings before us there was the bull riders only came along and but we wanted it to be a legitimate sport. We wanted it to be a real sport because we felt like that's what we all wanted. And and the, and the guys that were starting it, some of us would, had been around during the Winston Tour in the PRCA in 1985 and 86, and those were just such great rodeos. And they were and they were team they were team rodeos, but they were PRCA kind of like the, the NFR, they, they had the best guys and the best stock every time. And we learned so much from that. Uh, at the time, at the time, the PRCA wasn't ready for that. The, the, the membership had 7,000 members and, and only top 18, only top 18 in each event get to go. And all these other members were saying, why can't we go? Why don't we get to go? And then, now, later on, I found out that in 1959 that they said that the same thing about the NFR. Wait, we got a card. Why would you only let these guys go? We couldn't fight the numbers or anything like that. We couldn't do that. And we weren't out to go against rodeo. That's what that's a misconception out there because we were all rodeo guys and, and had been our whole lives. That's we just felt like our event we could present it in a different way it's like and then we got we got a rap that was like we were anti-rodeo because randy came randy used it to the advantage because he he in our opening he'd say ladies and gentlemen this is not a rodeo this is the one and only pbr and so that that would be our opening statement it didn't wasn't meant to say we didn't like rodeo or anything like that it was this is how we're going to do it if the if the boss doesn't want to do it your way and you're you feel strong enough that your way will work you might form your own company and that's and so that's kind of what we did and it took off and we wanted it to we wanted it to be presented as a legitimate sport and we wanted the integrity of the competition to be so meaningful that we look, we're looked at as a major league sport. We want rodeo to be that way too. We don't we we want it we want it to be real because that's what that's what sets us apart from everything else. Is if you don't win, you don't get paid, and it's so real. Well, it is, and and it's it, to me, it's helped enhance. I think the Western way of life uh, and, and rodeo itself because you have fans of bull riding that were fans of just PBR now are looking into the Western side of it and seeing, okay, rodeo, we got more events, more Western culture to, to 
to watch and I think it's it's helped grow just the industry as a whole which which we need I mean obviously and that, is, and that was the plan we wanted to bring in more fans we wanted to bring in more fans that 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 hadn't seen a rodeo before and bull riding's really a real simple to understand he either rode him or he didn't you know like that either bull bucked him off or he rode him eight seconds it's it's hard to do but it's a simple it's a simple event simple event and there's been some i don't know if you call them haters but criticism of tpbr teams because you took a simple event now you're adding it to a team's value but last year the inaugural season uh you guys had a great great season i know it, obviously you didn't win first like you set out to but three events no other team had won three events what is your take on on the team's deal obviously i know you love it but to hear these people say how it how it's making it harder to understand i i i did hear that and i don't and i don't want it to be harder to understand but it, i think it's easy enough to follow that if you if you're any kind of a sports fan that you can follow it easy enough and if you're and if you're a rodeo fan or a bull riding fan, you can definitely follow it easy enough. But what I saw, I, I was excited about it because I like the team concept because I liked the Winston tour. I liked my, I, I loved it when I was in college rodeo and, and we were a team. Right. I loved it when I loved it when my traveling partners and I felt like we were a team. I always loved, I always loved that. So anyway, and, and that's what I've done since I, I traveled with guys that were younger than me because I felt like I had something to maybe to, to help them with. And then I've had guys that come and stay here and and uh, every event, because they're all relatable. And when you can work on somebody's mental, like if I didn't know enough about calf roping, I could still help Cade a little bit by working on his mental game and, yeah. and his focus because I could see, because of the mistakes that I've made in my life, I can, help somebody learn from my mistakes so i always loved that so when the opportunity to be a coach of a team came up it was just it, it was the job i've been looking for i think well and so you got, you, just speaking of cade you, you know you have a tie down roper many time national finalist who is has always loved bull riding he's watched it but he's your assistant coach you, you take a guy like that who has maybe not been on a bull but understands the team concept understands winning understands the mental aspect and he could help implement that into your your young bull riders where you're on the side of you need to sit up on your rope you need to you know keep your chest out whatever and he understands the work ethic that it takes but he's all i also needed somebody that was in between my age and their age so so we could talk to them about the social media or figure out what their next move was as as uh, a young guy right. you know and, and and i needed somebody that could understand where i'm coming from but could relate to them so he was the right age and everything as well as being a competitor and he played sports and and those sort of things is a great fit for me is my my son suggested him to me one day he's i'll tell you this is a good story i in my heart it, uh riley my son said you know who would be good i was looking for an assistant coach at the time and he said kate and i thought about that and, and then uh, that same day justin mcbride called me 
And I said, you know, Riley told me that he and Justin and I talk about every day. And I said, Riley said that Cade would be a good assistant coach for me. And Justin said, man, that'll be the best. And he thought that was really a good idea. So I'd run it by two of two young guys that that I uh, really look up to their opinion and I respect their opinion. And I hadn't seen Cade in about a month. And I thought, well, I'll call him tomorrow. And I go into town into Bowie and I'm going into Tractor Supply and out comes Cade and Sarah and Knox walking out. And so it it was it was fate. And it, it and I told Cade about what what I, I was thinking about and he called me back about an hour later, pretty excited about it and and it was something that if something that I feel like is is bigger than me and and bigger than us and it was meant to be and and so that's kind of how Kate and I got to know each other and that's how I got to know you was through him and I know how good of friends you are with Kate that named your son after him even that's right I, well and I agree I think there's always a higher power up there that kind of guides us in the direction we're supposed to go for sure and you know Kate I, I again talk to him almost every day and and get breakdowns and and now i'll be joining the the pbr team's broadcast which i'm still a little nervous about uh but to be able to have guys like you and Cade and mcbride you know people i guess i could lean on to get information and that's not gonna you know just beat around the bush kind of tell me how it is i i think is 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 awesome um yeah, and I'm excited for it. Yeah, and we're excited for you being there. And, and that's another, that's a thing about, we're not trying to tear down anything that's that's already established in rodeo or bull riding or anything like that. We're trying to improve the way we present it to everyone out there. And what I saw last year at Oklahoma City, for instance, Oklahoma City and Fort Worth and area, they've seen a lot of bull riding in their time. And there's good fans there, but they watch a good bull riding there like this. You know, they're not they're not that excited because they've seen a lot of that. Well, Oklahoma City was winning their home event in Oklahoma City, and the fans were on their feet for 15 minutes. Right. In the whole building, they there's the same number of fans, a lot of the same fans that had been there before. But their home team was winning and their home team, their home team is Chase Outlaw from Arkansas and Briggs Matson from Utah and Eli Bassbinder from North Carolina. It was not a bunch of local guys. They're still cheering for all the bull riders. They're still, they still, our fans still love all the bull riders, but they got another way to cheer for it. And, and they were excited about their team winning. And their team and their team won and when outside the building going to the parking lot and stuff like that there was that excitement just like their college team or their professional team from that town had just won because they had yeah, build, building the sport and, and making it making it fun and not that it wasn't fun but you hear guys there are people talk about the pbrs the last the best time to watch is the last section because that's kind of when the rides happen and when the best guys go and not saying it does they don't ride throughout the the event but with the teams you have somebody to cheer for in every game and whether it's right. your team or or the uh, 
opposing team, there's something to cheer for. And there's, every four game. games, there's four games a night, and the four games are the best. It's the best every every time. It's not like I've heard that before. I've heard I heard that that was the the thing on the PBR was if you waited till the last section or the or the short go, you got to see all the good stuff. And that is that is a true. There sometimes the best ride might be the first one, but it's more often in teams. The first and the and even the guys getting bucked off and a team wins one ride to none, it's it's still a it's, it's still a tight competition all the way through the end. And so it's a pretty good one. I mean yeah I I've never thought that we presented bull riding any better than we did in teams. No, it was good and and, and there's always a winner. Every game there's always a winner and leads me to the next one, the, the winner stories that you have. And Lane Jones, I wasn't here. I wasn't there when it happened. Run a shoot dog and steer into the fence, cut his hand. You had to take him to the emergency room. And I'll let you carry it on from there. Yeah, he had, it cut his fingers really bad. And, and so we kind of wrapped him up a little bit. And and uh, I'm going to take him to the emergency There's no doubt he needs his fingers sewed up at least. And he's in, he was actually in a lot of pain. It kind of ripped him open. So I get, I drive up my pickup up there and I had a little half ton pickup that was sitting there and I just drove it up there and I said, we'll take that and we're going to go to Decatur to the emergency room and, and Dakota Eldridge says, here, let me give you some ice packs. And so we got his hand wrapped up and it's been, it's bloody and everything. And Dakota hands us these two ice packs and he puts, Blaine puts them on and he's, and Blaine's, Trying, he, he's almost quivering. He's in so much pain, but he's trying not to let it show. And he's he's saying, "Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right." And we get to driving, and we're and we're. I was driving pretty fast to get to Decatur to get his, his finger sewed up, and I get to smelling something, and it and it got the smell got stronger and stronger, and I think, my, I know he's in a lot of pain, but 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 I think he shit his pants. <laughs> And so, so we get to the hospital, get to the emergency room, and and I thought, surely he knows, you know. He walks in there, and it, and I mean, this it smells bad. He walks in there, and so I wait, and they take him, they take him back. Well, the little pickup that I was driving was almost out of gas when I got there, and so when they took him back there to look to look at his fingers, I thought, well. I'll, drive up and fill up with gas and then I'll be, I won't have to stop on the way home and he won't have to wait on me. And so I go to get, and I get back in that pickup and I still smell that. I still smell that odor and I'm looking at the seat to see if something's in, I mean, <laughs> there's nothing there. And then I look in the floorboard and there's these two ice packs and I notice they got blood on them and stuff, but it's dried blood. And I get to the I get to the store where I'm getting gas, and I got those and threw them in the trash, and it, and the smell went away like immediately. And so I got back, and so I went back and picked Blaine up, and we drive home, and and I tell him about that, and I tell him I'm sorry, but I I thought it was you, and he said he thought it, he thought it was me. <laughs> anyway. 
I got back and I said, and I said, Dakota, what was on those ice packs? They stunk so bad. And I tell it, explained to him that I thought Blaine shit his pants. <laughs> and, he, and Dakota said, oh no. I had, he had some elk meat in his freezer that his, his electricity had gone off of his freezer and it had uh, spoiled in there. And he cleaned it out, but he didn't take those ice packs out of there. And they'd had a little of that blood on them. Wow, they, they smelled so bad. I felt, I felt bad. I felt bad for Blaine because I, I, drove, all, I drove all the way to Decatur thinking that was him. He's just, he shit his pants and he's in a lot, he's in a lot of pain. He's in a lot of pain. Oh, hell. And, then, and then Blaine was, yeah, Blaine was so nice. He, you like, he was easy. He was an easy target because he's the nicest guy there. So everybody kind of, everybody had a little fun with him. Is he, he, he we've been teasing him because he, he messed up at Fort Worth and he stomped on his hat. He got oh, mad. That's right. He stomped his hat. And so so we were giving him a hard time about that. And then he tore his fingers up. And then we were telling him about him shitting his pants and stuff. So it was... We've had some good times out there. I know between the jackpots and... Hey, speaking of that, is the hot walker still working? Oh, it works great. And you did a fantastic job on that. I've got it's still to... kind of a little it's cockeyed. Looks, looks perfect. <laughs> well, I know some of my... well. The, the later, my later career, some of the best memories I had was on, on the Lambert Ranch and some of the best meals I had, uh, Leanne was, is one hell of a chef. Well, she learned a lot from you because that's what I, I thought that was really funny that you and her be sharing recipes like that because you're not, <laughs> you're not a bad cook yourself. I do love that it's the corn with the pepper i can't remember what it is i have it in my phone trust me i keep all the recipes in my phone but then she had an apple thing that she wrapped in croissants and used uh, sprite or seven up it was yeah. the best dessert ever absolutely perfect to go with your diabetes well i and now since i've lost weight i can't really enjoy that as much but i mean next time i'm there i'll i'll still eat it if she cooks it it's still working <laughs> You can still manage it. You can still manage dessert, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Cody, thank you so much. I, I, honestly, the memories I had rodeoing and spending time at your guys' place and getting to know you and Leanne and Riley and the family, it's, uh, like I said, those are those are memories that um, I, I share with so many people and that, that'll, that'll never leave me. So, I appreciate you coming on. I'm looking forward to the PBR team season this year and Texas Rattlers dominating, uh, getting that championship. And um, thanks again for coming on. I'm glad you have a favorite team too, since you're going to be, since you're going to be neutral there. Uh, <laughs> I didn't. In my contract, it didn't say that. I appreciate it uh, coming on and talking about this stuff because it, it brings back a lot of good memories. And then and. Uh, uh, and just like I was telling you the, the last time we talked, I kind of miss those days when the Bulldoggers were staying here, and, and uh, I'll be glad to see you. Yeah, likewise. Make sure you keep that chair nice and you know squishy for me, so next time I come back, it's ready to go. It's yeah, it's your chair for sure. <laughs> All right, thanks, Cody. Have a good one. Thank you, Luke. You bet. <laughs>